With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I'm already being laughed at for the start, <laughs> if you can believe. <laughs> and as you can probably hear by that laughter in the background, we are joined by lower league enthusiast Sean McGuigan. Yes, hello. Hello, and we're also making his debut. What a wonderful moment. Is a young man going to do well? Let's find out. Please welcome Mr Fraser Clark. Thank you very much. It's an honour and I am humbled to be here. I am laughing at the fact that Fraser's introduction to the Terrace is... Uh, you and me are both half an hour late, but it's not really our fault. No, no. Fowler just changed the venue randomly uh, due to hangovers. Uh, always so the reason we have to change things around. For twenty minutes, Fraser has been left with a, a hungover Fowler. <laughs> uh, we've been, well, you've been left in charge with the of the laptop. That so you're probably not even hearing anything. That's about a clue what to do. You can see, you can see Fraser think to yourself, "How have these dumplings got a TV show?" Yeah, well, I think that every single day from from afar when I was away. Like, what's happened? They've got a okay. I'm fine with that. All right, and you're probably wondering why I'm here actually because I know nothing about the lower leagues, and you'd be right that luckily I am joined by professionals who know exactly what we're talking about. But we are going to kick off today's lower league bonanza with the news that Barry Smith has been sacked after, whoa, just from November last year, so he's only been in charge for less than a year. But he has overseen, I think, no wins in 18 matches, including eight games this season, where I think they only got one draw in the League Cup, but they ended up losing on penalties to Montrose. So do you guys think that, despite it being a small period of time he's been in charge for, that this is an inevitable thing that's happened? I I like the fact that the only people that seem to think Barry Smith didn't have enough time in this job are uh, Dundee fans and a boy that writes for these five mail. They were basically saying that he needs more time, he hasn't done enough time in the, in the job, that the, the, the team needed more time in jail. Bear in mind, as you say, he's been in charge since uh, November last year. 
when he was appointed, they weren't in the relegation zone of League One. So since November of last year... Am I right in thinking that Dodds had them, they were like fourth or fifth in the league? Sorry, I think they were seventh or eighth. Right. But regardless, they weren't in the relegation zone. Ooh. So he has overseen a relegation from League One and they're now sitting uh, rump of, of League Two. So I, I don't know if he did need more time uh, in the job. And I know... There's this argument that he has... He signed a lot of players, so he signed Dutchland, an entire new team, and therefore there's occasionally a theory that the, the team needs more time to jail. Uh, they'll, they'll get better. But they lost to Queen's Park on Saturday 3-0. It was 3-0 going on 4-5. Queen's Park missed a penalty as well. Queen's Park have signed 10 players, but they're sitting second in the league. So... Something Takes this, away that. Something this argument that a team needs time to jail because they've got a lot of new signings. Is a bit of an excuse. Yeah, and I think um, especially in the lower leagues and maybe even Scotland in general, that excuse gets taken away because most teams have a high turnover of players every single season and that's for the top flight all the way down to League Two. So I, I can see your point there. I can see where that sort of excuse could be sort of taken taken away if you like. But uh, Fraser, would you deny that, do you think it's a bad decision from breaking the fact that they've allowed him to build a squad there and now they've ripped that away and now somebody else is coming in with a bunch of players that they didn't have signed or I'm build a bit confused as to why they didn't just sack him last season I mean towards I'm thinking he came in at a similar time that Ian Murray came in at Airdrie and that Jim Duffy came in at Dumbarton and at that stage they were in I think slightly worse positions in the league and then uh, Barry Smith comes in at Brechin and they seem to get progressively worse throughout the season as the season went on I mean they any time that I saw them they beat 10-man Dumbarton with Michael Payton at right back uh, 1-0 on the first weekend in January and at that point I think they were sitting in a decent enough position in the league but from that point onwards they just seemed to go backwards I can't understand why you would have kept him after that relegation but if you keep him after that relegation you then let him build a totally new squad and then you sack him what eight games into the season or three league games into the season it's almost too late so there's two arguments two ways you can look at it you can either look at it and say they've done it too early in the season and he's built this new squad or you should, or you could say why was he allowed to build that squad in the first place? Firstly, they've done they've now done the same thing two years in a row haven't they? Because yeah. I think when they got relegated to the Championship albeit I think there was an argument that because Dan Dodds managed to take them up in an unlikely uh, scenario then maybe they deserve the chance to take them back up again but you know, so after no wins in the Championship surely just kind of fumigate the place, start again, and get rid of Dan Dodds at that point. Yeah, it's not even about blaming the guy. It's like he was obviously managing with a lot of struggles, and it was at a really high level for Breakin to be playing at. But yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's just let's clear the decks, let's let's move on, let's get everyone who was involved in this because it's going to be a dark cloud over the next season and coming right in through pre-season. But they allowed him to build to, to build a, a side at the last season. It wasn't going so well, so so he kind of uh, left League Park, and they've done exactly the same again this season. They gave Barry Smith the opportunity to, to to build a squad. He's done that. It doesn't look like it's good enough. Uh, certainly, a challenge, maybe even to, to stay up in that division. And it's strange that they would just kind of fall into the same trap uh, two years in a row. The other thing about Barry Smith is, and there's an argument that maybe he didn't have enough time, and it is absolutely early in the season, and I, and I, I get that. But where is the evidence from his managerial career that he could turn this around? So. Dundee was maybe 10 years ago, uh, he he came in, he had that massive unbeaten run uh, to keep him up when he had the points deduction, great, he took them up when, I think it was the season when Rangers uh, were kind of, so I think Dundee finished second, they weren't supposed to get promoted but they got promoted because of Rangers uh, situation, <laughs> yeah, that was a difficult season for Dundee but to be fair he'd built a side that was for the second tier that then was unexpectedly promoted, however after that 
I don't think Alawa fans were particularly disappointed to see him go, nor were Aldershot fans, nor were East Fife fans, nor were Wraith Rovers fans. So why anybody could think he would suddenly turn, breaking around, uh, I'm not entirely sure. Is this, Fraser, what, what would you think? Is this the end of his sort of match? Because just with Sean listing all those clubs, I didn't even realise it was quite that many. Where do you go from there? Because he sort of slowly but surely drifted down there. And now we're talking about he's, he's running... Well, the worst team in the country for right now. I know it's very early, but where do you go from from this point? No, it's an interesting one. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is a youth coaching position at Dundee. That's the first thing that comes to mind there. But looking at it, he won 13 of his 54 games at Aloha. He won 9 of his 23 games at East Fife and he won 6 of his 33 games at Brechin. Now, realistically... 6. <laughs> which is probably an improvement on Darren Dodd's last <laughs> yeah. 33 games. Yeah. But who's going to look at that and think, Barry Smith is the man that we need? I mean, he didn't... He didn't get a Wraith team promoted that really should have been promoted. Okay, they were up against an airside that scored goals for fun, but that was still a pretty strong Wraith team that should have bounced back or roared back. And in, in, terms first of, <laughs> in terms of in terms of Wraith Rovers budgets, he had a decent budget that season as well. I mean, Wraith, Wraith lost a lot of money that season. They were they were really banking on promotion. Uh, so it wasn't as if he was struggling to make ends meet. He had a decent budget that year. And as you said, okay, they, they missed out on, on the last day of the season. Uh, Lewis Vaughan hit the post uh, with the last kick of the ball. However... The thing I think back in terms of that season is he signed Reagan Henry, who you now you see Reagan Henry and realise how good a player he is. He couldn't get a game for three months at Starts Park. Meanwhile, he took Lewis Vaughan. Now, bear in mind, Reagan Henry is a central midfielder. He put him on the bench. He took Lewis Vaughan from playing up front and put him in central midfield. Reagan Henry couldn't get a game for David Heron. I mean, it was just, I we missed out on the last day of the season. But you know something, the Rovers could have won that league if Barry Smith had uh, a bit more nouse about him. Right, so Steve Campbell is the man who stepped in as caretaker. I'm not going to claim I know very much about him, uh, but where do you guys view as where Breakin should go? Are we looking at a, a young manager coming in, maybe an ex-pro who's recently left, or do you think this is a team that needs sort of experience of the level? I'm using all the cliches here. Don't <laughs> don't worry. Uh, like, what? Where do you, where would you go if you were? I think what it needs is totally cleared out. And for me, if I was in their position, I'd be looking at local based. You know, players coming towards the end of their careers who are looking to go into coaching. I mentioned it the other day on a rival podcast that I will not mention. Uh, uh, you, should, you should do it. <laughs> no, don't be no, shy. It's good. On, the, uh, on the Daily Record back page podcast. Uh, yeah, you can I, li- hear me. I listened to it today. Uh, you can hear me on a bi weekly basis almost. Um, <laughs> so the reason I, I knew anybody that would be this. I mentioned uh, Sean Dillon at Montrose. If you're yeah. interested in stepping into management, then that could be a good job for him. I'm thinking. When Dumbarton had Ian Murray come in, and I spoke to Andy Graham about it yesterday, and you'll hear that in the Pelly podcast because he's been doing every podcast going apart from this. Pouring himself out. (laughs) But he came in and he totally professionalised Dumbarton, and they went from almost being this small part-time club in the Championship, which is what Brecon were, and seemed for some reason quite happy to be, to being this, you know, we might only be training four nights a week and meet up on a Saturday, but we're going to be run for those four nights a week, uh, four hours a week, as a totally professional operation. You need somebody to come in and just totally raised standards because at the moment certainly from the outside Brecon look like a glorified junior team at times yeah and think of that professionalism managed to get Dumbarton to what fifth yeah. in the league the Scottish Cup quarterfinal so I think these are things that you never as a child I would never have thought Dumbarton would be able to achieve but did you, did you think about Dumbarton a lot as a child uh, from time to time <laughs> I always thought about that rock but um <laughs> But uh, I was, uh, so, is there anything else you want to add to that? Is there anything, Sean, is there anywhere that you believe? Is, have you got any Sean Dillons out there? Uh, I, I don't know. You, you wonder if an experienced manager would be attracted to Brecon in that they look like, 
it's a strange situation looking through this season in that so last season you, you looked at Berwick and you thought right their intention this season is probably to stay in the league you looked at Albion Rovers and you thought exactly the same uh, everybody else you thought right maybe they'll have either one eye on the title or to challenge for the playoffs I think you can go through everybody in League 2 this season and they almost all would have had maybe one eye on the playoffs it, it kind of looks like a very evenly matched but quite a difficult league uh, you know still and Albion sitting ninth at the moment mm-hmm. they have a kind of mediocre looking squad but not a terrible looking squad I suppose the flip side of that argument is Brecon they don't look atrocious they don't look like Albion Rovers they don't look like Berwick you know, I've got Dougie Hill and Jonathan Page at centre-half that's not bad for kind of League 2 uh, you've got Ryan McCord you've got uh, Matthew Knox I remember Matthew Knox used to get linked with Man Manchester United, United and Arsenal <laughs> and Cardiff and Rangers he's now playing uh, he's now playing wide uh, wide left for Brecon oh what a gem that's been lost uh, I mean Paul McManus Shagger uh, up front they, they may need to add to their, to their forward options maybe somebody could come in there and turn it around I think they've probably I think we'll probably end up going for somebody who it'll be their first time crack at management, to be honest. Right, so let's move on to another team in League Two. I was trying to the timings for I don't even want to talk about because the timings for an advertisement. I thought you were enthralled by Sean's chat about Brecon's squad. There's no doubt about Brecon. I am. I am. Don't worry about it. But I'm more fascinated, Sean about you and some of the Terrace Boys trip to Elgin where I'm sure Duncan and Craig Telford were at each other's throats no as, not at all far uh, from it I was not expecting from. after I heard Gary talking about the middle finger to the face with Don <laughs> Thomas scoring the, the winner against and in fairness Craig Telford got mixed up he thought that it was Duncan and I think Gary Cocker who criticised Don Thomas <laughs> when Craig Telford and myself normally bum him up yeah surrogate fathers yeah. it was uh, Thulis and Fowler that uh, uh, against Don Thomas well I'm sure the finger will be coming for them soon yeah he did apologise he did apologise after slugging a finger <laughs> You shouldn't never apologise for something like that. Anyway, but Stenhouse Muir won one nil. Sean, talk us to the day. What were the sights? What were the smells? It was good. The the smells probably come later in the day. The, <laughs> in terms of the road trip, so, so basically the, the, the reason for it was in the summer. I'd said to Duncan that I'd been to so I've been to thirty eight and forty two stadiums, and I know Duncan uh, visits Elgin quite often. I said, look, next time you're going up, can you please give me a shout, and I'll maybe chum you up if that's okay. So then it turned out that Craig Cairns wanted to go and Gary wanted to go and Craig Telford wanted to go. So the five of us uh, journeyed up, journeyed up to, to Elgin. A thoroughly enjoyable day, as you can imagine. Uh, well, Craig's part of was good. I mean, the rest of us was absolutely rubbish. Yeah. Food, but Craig's part of Craig Telford's part was very good. He's and a part machine. Yeah, that's what he's Absolutely excellent. I, I must admit, I enjoyed the Elgin setup. Never been there before. The, the social club is very good. Uh, really enjoyed the. Could they have a social club like right beside the ground? Or? Yeah, hi. Well, oh, that's kind of stuff. kind of big next door to the stadium. Uh, really good setup. There's actually a wee step. What the one is, a wee step is you go in the toilet. Uh, so I fell. Uh, so be careful when you put up. But it's a really good setup. The, the stadium, I was really impressed with that as well. There was there was a decent crowd uh, which held matters. So the, the kind of old stand was absolutely full. The rain came on at one point, so everybody had to kind of huddle uh, underneath the the kind of standing area that I have. So that made the atmosphere pretty good. And then what made matters even better, certainly in terms of, uh, from Craig Telford's perspective and from everybody else's perspective, because we, we all laughed, when Stennis Mill scored, uh, Craig Telford he absolutely marked out. He went absolutely dual alley. As you do. Absolutely As dual you do. alley. 
Uh, I, 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 can't remember, I, I can't actually remember who the goal scorer was, but they Monroe. They seem to make eye contact as they celebrated. So Craig, <laughs> so Craig rushed to the front. Uh, Monroe kind of rushed towards him, and I'm positive there was eye contact as they as they celebrated. There was it's actually quite a touching moment. Craig's in his heart skipped a beat. But the, the the game itself was it was quite interesting. We've or I've already said that I think League Two looks uh, looks really finely balanced this season. There wasn't a lot in the game. Uh, Elgin and Elgin probably had the better of about first, say, half hour or so. Uh, they've got Daniel Mackay, uh, left winger on loan from Inverness. He looked really good and everything uh, creative-wise, certainly in the first half, was coming through him. However, he went off uh, He went off an injury. They then brought in a substitute who, who was this big, uh, this big kind of fat lump. Uh, his, his buttocks were, were something to see. <laughs> as, soon as, that, as soon as that happened, Elgin were, were far less effective. Stenny uh, were the better team. They thoroughly, uh, thoroughly deserved their goal. But I think, I think how League Two will pan out this season is a lot of teams are, are very even, but they have specific players that they probably can't do without. So Elgin, for example, had Mackay. As soon as he went off, they were snookered. Uh, they've still got Sutherland. They've still got Kane Hester. If anything was to happen to them, Elgin would suddenly be a, a very mediocre team. Uh, Stennis Muir, I think without Mark McGuigan, who was arguably the best player on the park, I think they would be struggling uh, as well, and you can kind of go through the leagues, uh, go through the leagues, teams, yeah. And there's a lot of teams that are in the exact same boat, and I think how well they they kind of manage their, their players or specific players' fitness will will dictate how well how well certain teams do. I had a look at it. Like the Elgin didn't have a shot on target according to the BBC stats over uh, the course you, of you know the BBC stats aren't always reliable. Uh, I would say they were on Saturday, whoever. Right. So it sounded like like looking just purely looking at the stats and like reading a little bit about it. It's like Stenhouse Muir like done a bit of a number on them, like tactically, just the way they had. Like, Stenhouse Muir had about forty percent possession, but they had about thirteen shots on goal, but six shots on target. Delgan and none. That tells me that sounds just from going by stats is quite a tactical Stenis, display. Uh, just when Stenhouse back three gobbled everything up. It was strange in that uh, both teams' best players play up front. But it, as much as they uh, kind of done no bad in terms of getting into the, the kind of final third, neither team was able to produce too much, even though both teams' best players were in that final third. Uh, but not on the day, Stenny were, the, were the better team. Craig Telford has kind of, kind of wavered between them being a team that will struggle to a team that might push for the top four. His opinion based on Saturday was that they, they probably can push for a, a, a top four spot. But as I say, everybody's so, everybody's so even in that, with the exception of... Well, Cove's looking dangerous. Yeah, we've got Paul Hartley's Cove. They're top of the league, but they're also Queen's Park and Annan. Also, all, they all they're all on seven points at the moment. Queen's, the, the problem with Queen's Park every summer is they, they recruit so many players from the juniors and the kind of amateur ranks that you don't really know how good they're going to be because you don't know any other players until a good couple of months in the season. I think Edinburgh's got a really good squad, and I fancied them uh, before the season started. The fact that Cove Rangers absolutely crushed them on the opening day of the season. You're now kind of struggling to to kind of see past Cove, albeit ridiculous early days. What would you think about like talking to Cove with Paul Hartley's? He's using his contacts again, uh, Fraser, and he's brought in. Well, just like your name, Fraser Five. He's coming. Um, that's got to be a good signing for that level. I mean, I'm coming as an outsider, and obviously, I remember Fraser Five from from his Hibs days, and I was. I was a big fan of Fraser Five. I liked I liked watching him a lot. I thought he was uh, really brave on the ball. He was always willing to coax a player in before making a pass. So that led to mistakes, but it also meant that 
he would open the game up by taking those risks and I always had little snaky hips I'm a big fan of players who can just with a drop of a shoulder or just a slight movement actually like complete, change the whole complexion of a game so do you reckon that, that's ominous for the rest of the league yeah example? oh yeah it has to be I think the cold thing I still think it could go one of two ways with Paul Hartley either they'll all buy into what he's doing and they'll love it and they'll have this sort of equivalent of the Aloha team that won the third division going back a few years ago with Stevie May scoring goals for fun and all that sort of thing or he'll alienate everybody fall out with them and it'll just be a huge disaster and he'll just have a ridiculous player turnover at the moment it looks like they are buying into it I think Five is an unbelievable signing for for that league assuming he stays fit his bones are made of poppadoms yeah. so that could be an issue and Eklund Glass looks like a great signing it's an, astro, oh, it's an astro pitch as well isn't it and I remember Fraser Fiveway's dad used to work in the office beside me. There's a nice wee bit of uh, celebrity yeah, name dropping. <laughs> yeah. um, and his dad absolutely despised AstroTurf. So I'm quite surprised to see him going to an AstroTurf. Maybe he's running that team. new maybe he's running that so, new Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, like that's a, how much time have you got on your hands to try and start Sparka? But everyone hate but people don't like plastic pitch in general, but that is a lot of time spent to try and get everyone to hate plastic pitches. Do you have made that slight tackle on plastic? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would have. Um, yes, yeah, so anything else you want to add? Uh, on lead two, uh, I said at the start of the season that I thought Queen's Park would struggle, and now I look a bit silly. I also said at the start of the season that I thought Sterling Albion would do quite well, and now I look a bit silly. So if they would like to reverse yes. their positions, then that'd be absolutely smashing. Oh, we all look silly. That's a be- one of the beauties of Scottish football in general. It doesn't matter what league you talk about. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple of guarantees in the world, but um, Scottish football, there's so much going on, and you've no idea. We always look like idiots when we try and play this sort of media game. And let's move up the leagues. We're going to go to Dumbarton, which we all know is uh, Fraser's team, Jim Duffy's Dumbarton. They opened up with a 1-0 loss at home to Wraith, but they've managed to, despite having like a terrible League Cup campaign, I mean, I think they look conceded a hell of a lot of goals. <laughs> yeah. 6-1 defeats, 4-1 defeats, 2-0 defeats. But what impressed me, though, is that even if you could the Challenge Cup, they didn't score... They didn't actually score in any about the first three games, and then they go two 0 down at Peterhead, and then they managed to come back. That shows strong mentality, surely. Yeah, well, Jim Duffy, he's been quite strange this season. When I spoke to him before the season started, just after he resigned, which was like a whole palaver over whether or not he was resigning. Is he staying? Is he not? He is staying, and then he lost his entire team. I don't know what that says about him. Um, <laughs> I hope it's not what it looks like it says. Um, he always said that his aim was to compete. He did not say to compete for what? Like wins, points, the title, the relegation playoffs. He never really elaborated on that. But he'd been very easy on the players, I thought. Obviously, battered 6-1 by Morton, and that could have been an awful lot more. 4-1 by Queen of the South, and Queen stopped playing after 25 minutes. They literally just passed the ball about for the rest of the game. It was like that bit in The Simpsons where they just knocked the ball about and mm-hmm. go nowhere. That was what they did for the rest of the game. But he was, he was not wanting to put the players underneath the bus at any point. And then after the Falkirk game... He was a wee bit... He looked furious. So I was a wee bit terrified asking him questions, <laughs> to be honest. And um, he'd said that, you know, you, at part-time level, it was something like, at part-time level, you know a wee bit about the players, but you can't always judge character before you sign them. And I thought that was quite kind of cutting from him. And if that was... He was looking for a reaction from it, then he didn't get it because they lost 1-0 to St. Martin Colts during the week. But then on Saturday, kind of forced change of formation, and all of a sudden everything looked a wee bit better. Because the big problem was... We played for the most part of the season 4-3-3 with three right-footed central midfielders who are neat and tidy on the ball but who aren't really going to drive with it and who aren't really going to contribute an awful lot going forward in Joe McKee, Kyle Hutton and Stuart Carswell. Carsley was out injured at the weekend so he kind of reverted to a midfield kind of two but 
had Rory Langan pushed up ahead of them and then Langan dropped back and Kyle Hutton dropped back and we went to a sort of 4-1-4-1 sort of thing but I was stood behind the goal so it's really difficult to get an idea of tactics Formation, behind yeah, the no, goal. You are but I was right. stood behind the goal and it looked a bit like a 4-1-4-1 and all of a sudden we had width in the team. Now, the one positive, probably the only positive of pre-season was PJ Crossan's performances and... In that game at the weekend, he was absolutely unplayable. As soon as he got played wide on his own, he had 1v1 runs against the fullback, who was Jason Brown or Jordan Brown. I think it was Jason Brown, but I can't quite remember. I get them mixed up. He had 1v1s against Peterhead fullback, and every single time he ran at him, the guy looked terrified. He couldn't deal with him. So that set up the first goal, and it scored the second goal. If we can get the most out of PJ Crossing, and if Duffy can stick with a sort of four-man midfield with two natural wingers, then things are a wee bit more optimistic. Obviously, it shows good character to come when you've been battered all throughout pre-season, battered the week before, yeah, beaten yeah. by a guy who looks about 14, you know, during the week. And that's good coming from me because I look about 14 <laughs> as well. Um, but I think rather than character, it was more down to the fact that we have quite a limited squad. So you need to get the most out of the genuinely, not want to sound disrespectful, but the genuinely talented players in that squad. And you've got a lot of hardworking guys who maybe aren't the most naturally gifted. And we played a formation that suited PJ Crossan. And if he's on his game most part-time teams will probably struggle to live with them and that was certainly the case at the weekend How how, how much of Dumbarton's squad uh, is down to the fact that kind of the uncertainty around Jim Duffy whether or not he was going to be the manager how much of it is down to uh, a kind of limited budget how much of it is down to the fact that it seems to take you ages to get round to building a squad Yes, to all of them. Well, I mean, yeah, because I mean, was it not? There was a point. I remember we were talking on the podcast chat that I mean, Dumbarton had about twelve like players yeah. when they were going at the pre-season in the, in the league cup. Because I was looking at my my betting tips, and that was always <laughs> running through my head. They only have twelve players. I'll gamble against them. Yeah. It did work, but <laughs> but they did lose me money because I back I back Peter Head at the weekend. <laughs> the budget the budget thing is strange because if you speak to Jim Duffy, he'll say he's got the second smallest budget in the league. Presumably, Stranar have the smallest. But was he sorry to buy him? Did Jim Duffy not say that he would only stick around if he was given a, a, a essentially a, a competitive budget? budget. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he said. Now, if you we had a fans meeting thing a couple of weeks ago, and the vice chairman in the club said that Duffy believes he's got the second biggest budget in the league. We don't go along with that. Now, I've no idea who knows how big a budget is or how they know what other clubs' budgets are because I can't imagine that our chairman sits down with other clubs' chairman at you know <coughs> games across the country and discusses their budgets and the sort of intricacies of the finances in a dark basement bar with cigars so <laughs> <I'm> talking, <laughs> with their spreadsheets yeah. I've always presumed that's just a guess yeah I think it must be and they must look at their squad and go oh, they've probably got a bigger budget than us they've probably got a smaller budget than us the rumour certainly going around the stadium is that his budget is the same as the budget that Steve Aitken started last season with now, Steve Aitken assembled a really high-quality squad of about eight players on that budget and then needed to scrabble about and sign an awful lot of guys towards the end of the window to try and put a team together that had subs on the bench. And even then, yeah, they're, November, they're, they're crucial sometimes. Even in November, we had one fit sub on the bench at times. It was like going back to the 1980s or something. We only had one sub. So the budget Just get chats, Danny Lennon in. <laughs> the budget chats... A weird one and one that nobody seems to quite know the answer to and I guess it suits Duffy to play the under, underdog card and say oh we've got this tiny budget we're doing well just to keep our heads above water and compete it's also going to suit the club chairman to say we've got a better budget we're backing the manager I don't see what the, you know, what the issue is here so nobody really quite knows what the truth is there the squad assembly came about ridiculously late I mean I think before the Annan game on the Thursday night or the Friday night before the Annan game we signed four players and then we signed Ryan McGeever on the Friday night. So that was five players added in two days 
before the first game of the season and I think we had three subs I mean there must have been a time unless he's hyper relaxed where Jim Duffy thought <laughs> and he's not <laughs> I wonder if I'm going to be able to get 11 players out here <laughs> right so we've had um, I've done things I've been places and now we've got can you count can you count can you count so two sort of ex-Hearts employees making pricks of themselves um, so John McGlynn's nonsense Sean, you told me off air that this isn't really like John McGlynn. It's, an, it's unusual for him. You, you, you accuse me of being a John McGlynn apology. Oh, uh, not at all. I'm just, I just wanted to slag off John McGlynn. <laughs> and you know, so, and rightly so. Uh, the, I mean, most people, are, sorry, no, there's been an opinion that it was a sign that he is under pressure. Uh, I don't know if it, if it definitely points to that. I think it points to somebody who'd watched his team be the better team in the game and then concede two goals in the last seven minutes and, and lose 3-2 and then get interviewed right, right after at, at the back of it. People always say, oh, we, should, we shouldn't let that happen. We should, we should definitely let that happen. Oh, yeah. It should be even faster. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say is I think there has been, well, in all his uh, in all his time since his return to Starts Park, there's been this uh, suggestion that defensively, Ruth Rovers are not good enough and that's absolutely right. So he... Probably thought he'd addressed that during the summer, and to a degree he has. So he's brought in. So Michael Miller is now playing right back, uh, which is an upgrade to what we had last season, which is not having a right back. <laughs> last season we had Callum Crane at left back, who was surprisingly poor. I, I thought it was a really good signing. Uh, we brought in Kieran McDonald from Airdrie, who seems to be an upgrade on, on Callum Crane. We still have uh, Ian Davidson, we still have Kyle Benedictus. So that's the same two centre halves that didn't perform at all last season. However, We've got an upgrade in, in the full-back position. So, so he has upgraded upgraded the defence. I think he brought in Fernando Mendy thinking that was going to be the cure-all to the, to the centre-half position. <laughs> Doesn't look like it will be. Doesn't look like it will be. He, he seems like your new cult hero. I Honestly, I love him. <laughs> I, every time we throw a side someday, I, I always want him either to be very good or absolutely atrocious. And Fernando Mendy is... is Taking one of those boxes. <laughs> uh, but fair play, he, he kept a clean sheet against Burt Island Shipyard uh, the other night, so, so I'm sure when he comes back in the first team, uh, he'll be absolutely set. Uh, what I would say about Saturday's game at Stranraer is, I mean, I went to a, a, a lot of. Apparently the team with the smallest budget in the league. Uh, yeah. Unless you ask Jim Duffy, it's probably a much bigger budget than us. What I would say about uh, about the, the weekend's game, and I can only go by, by, by the highlights comes up, up at Elgin, but even by watching Stromar's highlights, it didn't look like a, a typical Wraith Rovers away from home performance. In that, last season Wraith Rovers would go away from home and they would lose and they would thoroughly deserve to lose. They would, they would be bullied, they would be kind of cajoled all over the park the opposition would be creating umpteen chances and they would end up losing 3-1 or 3-2 but it would be games where they could have lost by even more Saturday didn't they look like that Shonrath seemed really clinical and the goals that they conceded all three came about from uh, Stranraer getting the ball in midfield and having about 20 yards to, to kind of stride forward and according to John then I think they maybe got to the byline once or twice <laughs> do you know something and I think that is what for whatever reason really pissed John McGlynn off in that he probably watched that game and didn't necessarily think the four defenders were at fault for the goals well that's what he makes that clear exactly and the interviewer was suggesting well defensively but the interview was actually meaning defensively as a team I think he was rather than the back four but McGlynn seemed to take umbrage at that and 
uh, it was rude, it was unnecessary, and I'm glad he apologised. I think we maybe made, I think there was more made out of it than, than necessarily yeah. needed to be. If you take away the counting bit, it's just a guy that's frustrated and angry and can't really articulate his point. I mean, I was, I thought, as much as I thought it was rude, I also, uh, I also laughed at it, and I was also surprised that Race TV used it, because they didn't have to use it. That's you know, true. they didn't have to put it on the website. Or they could have edited it. Oh, conspiracy theories. They could have edited, no, no, I, I, I said, I, Someone I, wants them out. <laughs> because it went on the website a lot later. So I'm wondering if they thought, look, let's leave it. We'll see if John says, gets in contact and says, look, go and take that bit out. Sorry about yourself. How did the apology come about? Was that uh, prompted or did he go? Did he was, seek was, the guy out? Or I think it was after it became a big kerpuffle. He then apologised. Not as much of the bigger man as I wanted him to be. <laughs> uh, you know, it was just it was just a very strange situation. I'm, I don't think they didn't have to use it. I mean, like nothing, nothing good. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, them. it's strange for the in-house media to to use that when all it is is going to bring on sort of criticism <laughs> from all quarters, really, and, and put it. your manager who looks already pissed off. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Wraith Rovers. I mean, it was their first loss. Of league season, they're still on a, they're still on a I mean, pretty good two wins. I mean, they're sitting. I mean, they've got they've got six points for nine. They are sitting second in the table. Okay, they they had a pretty dismal league cup campaign. But as much as people are saying, oh, John McGlynn's obviously feeling the pressure. Won the Challenge Cup as well. Won three two. Uh, you're right. They beat Ross like the game, goals. the game that he didn't want to do, that he was sort of like when he was talking he was, and his thing. Like, oh, I can't be arsed with that, even though you've already won it. That was good. <laughs> he was also pissed off about the fact that I had to play uh, Burnt Island Shipyard because they, I think, Burnt Island Shipyard. <laughs> I think in the five cup of the season, you have to play five recognised first teamers. So I think we had something like six first teamers and five trialists for the Burnt Island Shipyard game. So he was, he was obviously like, he wasn't happy about that. I can, I can, I can say, see where he's coming from in that one. Absolutely. Who am I playing? Uh, I, but I, I, I don't think John McGlynn turned up for that interview and thought to himself, I'm really feeling under pressure. He was uh, pissed off. He was, just, he was just rattled at the fact that we went for, looked like we were going to take all three points. Should have took all three points because we, we were the better team. And then ultimately came away with, with absolutely nothing against for a game that they should be winning. What I would say is though, if uh, so, the next two games are Montrose at home, East Fife away. So if they take, bear in mind how horrendous their away record has been now since Gary Locke took over. If they take four Funny points, ah, uh, what, what coincidence? <laughs> if they take four points, four points of those games, you would say, right, okay, that's no a bad return for the start of the season. If they take less than that, and you would say, right, maybe beating Montrose and, and losing to these five or even fewer points than that then uh, he will be uh, kind of under pressure and you know if they lose these five then people will be pointing to them and saying we are absolutely no better than last season our away record has not improved defensively we have not improved and at that point you would say McGlynn might be under a bit of pressure well let's move up the leagues oh, and yeah. let's talk about um, well the team that pipped Wraith Rovers to the league title last year and that's Dick Campbell's Arbroath who are travelling to Recreation Park on Saturday to take on, well, the style guru, Peter Grant's Alloa. <laughs> the two part-time teams coming together. They are both sitting in the bottom two places with one point. Uh, Fraser, Sean, whoever. Is this where you reckon these two teams are going to be battling out the whole season or do you reckon they'll be able to sort of moosey on up that league? They'll be battling out at that end of the league. Um, whether or not they'll drag a full-time team in with them, I'm not sure. You kind of look at Queen of the South and think if Dobby stays injured, maybe they could drag them into it, but they've probably improved a wee bit on last season. Certainly I think Robbie McCrory in goals for them is a fantastic signing. 
um, even if Alan Martin is my all-time favourite and Martin goalkeeper, so it kind of hurts a wee bit to say that, but you know. Um, I had tipped, I would have tipped our growth to go straight back down if Jim Goodwin had stayed at Alloa. Then uh, Goodwin leaving, Peter Grant being appointed, and I thought, well, maybe the continuity and the team spirit that our growth seemed to have, because he seemed to have a great team spirit there. And I think Dick Campbell is doing a good job at getting the most out of maybe a... I don't want to say a limited squad. You reckon squad, he, could, he could foster a good team spirit, yeah, Dick Campbell? Aye, I, I would imagine... be fun in there, wouldn't it? People buy into Dick Campbell, don't they? Yeah. I can't imagine, I can't imagine there's too many players in his dressing room that, that don't want him to, to, to put in a good performance for him, if that makes sense. Yeah. They, they'll absolutely buy into him. Whereas the Peter Grant one, I'm just not... I'm not sure about it. I mean, he might be an exceptionally stylish man in the touch ring, but I'm just not sure about it. That T-shirt, man. <laughs> I, I still can't get over it. It's his chain. Uh, the chain, yeah, yeah, I saw that poking out. Yeah, the t-shirt's bad enough, but the chain. It looked like a sort of bracelet, one of those like sort of really plastic see-through bracelets that he had on. I don't He's know. A middle-aged man. <laughs> yeah, he is. You're right. <laughs> but I mean, you look at it, and I think that Alloa have a far better squad than our growth. But our growth maybe have that that synergy thing that you're looking for with a team that have a great team spirit, and that's gonna that's gonna make an awful lot when they're eking out 1-0 wins or they're chucking themselves in front of balls in the final minute to, you know, salvage a point or something ridiculous like that, they've also got the Gayfield factor and Peter Grant's made the pitch at Aloha wider. Now, Andy Graham was saying on the podcast the other day that he thinks that will suit them. Certainly it will suit Andy Sterling, whether or not it will suit them when they come up against, you know, fitter teams, full-time teams later in the season. That was quite a brave, not, I thought that was quite a brave move. I, I could see, yeah. like, from the outset, I just think it, it seems brave and, the, and it'll give the players some confidence that the, the manager and the club in general has faith in them. And I suppose on the back of last season, I know they did go on a bad run last season, but, but they came out the other side of that. Um, but the, I would, I'd would i feel quite confident about that, the fact that he's that the, the club's decided to do that. I'd feel confident. I think, they, I think I'm right in saying that Aloha only picked up something like one more point at home than away last season, which is, which is pretty unusual. And I think most... I think certainly most Alloa fans felt that actually narrowing that pack uh, done them more harm than good and they've got so many I mean like Colley uh, is a very good player whether he's played through the middle or out wide Flanagan can play very well either in the middle or, or out wide and the fact that they've got uh, and the fact they've brought in Andy Stillman as well suddenly they've got at least three good wide options the fact they had such a narrow pack was probably certainly this season going against them so I, I was quite chuffed that Grant uh, extended the pack even as Going there as a neutral, not going there as a neutral, but going there to, to watch games when it was so narrow as well. It just made the games dumb. I'm so glad that he's yeah, it was awful to watch. It. it was the same when we narrowed the pitch and Ian Murray narrowed it for a season, uh, or might even have been a couple of seasons, and it was just awful to watch. I mean, it was like playing at Central Park every single week, but with slightly better facilities, <laughs> moderately better facilities. Right. So, who do you? Well, let's just go for a straight. Who do you? Who are you backing for that game at the weekend? Who am I backing for the game? And and who am I backing for the game? And who am I backing back to the, Yeah, the who do you go finish above each other? Uh, and who do you go win the game? I think that because Alloa have the experience of it from last season, and they managed to put Falkirk to the sword. Really, and Queen of the South. They were talking about like in modern in modern years, they both have had. Like quite a lot of success in that league so it was me coming from afar when I was living abroad seeing that I was quite shocked at seeing that those two clubs are the ones that were propping up the league I am I'm really surprised that our growth haven't signed more players during the summer so we, we spoke last season about what was the how good are our growth because up until Christmas they were they were in line to be one of the best third tier teams of all time they were on, on track to have more points than Dunfermline Livingston far more than Morton like full time teams that had won that that, won that tier 
For the second half of the season, they were pretty mediocre. I mean, they had a far poorer record than, than Forfa. So, how? What is the kind of the proper Arbroath team? The fact that he hasn't added to that side, uh, I, I'm surprised at that. Whereas Aloha have brought in some decent players. Liam Buchanan, you're not going to get 90 minutes out of him. However, he's a, he's a really clever yeah. player. Uh, whether he's coming on as a sub or, or maybe giving you the first hour. Kevin O'Hara wasn't necessarily rated by Falkirk fans. What he is given, Aloha though, is he's playing up front and he does have the legs that Liam Buchanan doesn't have. So he, I think he can do a turn for, for Aloha. We've already mentioned Andy Sterling. You know, for a part-time team to have that ability out wide is it, uh, fantastic. We've brought Robbie Dees, a centre-half on loan from Celtic. I don't know what it is about Aloha, but they seem to always be able to bring in these fantastics. About, I haven't seen a lot of Robbie Dees, but he comes with a good reputation. But they, in the past, they've had McKenna uh, on loan. They have had... They had uh, Jamie McCart on had loan. Jamie McCart, had Liam Lindsay on loan. I mean, they yep. seem to have this ability to bring in really good centre-halves on loan, and they always seem to do uh, really well. Uh, Sam Ruskell was on loan, I think, from Aberdeen last season yep. as well. Did they so, not have Scott McKenna going way yeah, back? No, well? absolutely, no, they absolutely did. Uh, so, so there's this kind of good track record of bringing in really good uh, loan defenders. Arbroath haven't brought in anybody uh, like that. They have, they still have a really good back four, Arbroath. A fantastic back four for League One. Uh, they haven't improved on that though. They've brought in uh, Derek Gaston, who may be a better goalkeeper than Dan Jameson, so incrementally might have got better at the back. They they haven't proved at all, and I think in midfield uh, or up front. There's a myth that Greg Spence can't do it at championship level, but he had a couple of decent seasons at Wraith Rovers when Grant Money was a manager, albeit he was pretty young, but his, his strike record was okay. The rest up front, Stephen Doris, is he going to get your goals at championship level? Uh, is, is Ryan Donnelly going to get your goals at, at championship level? I, I don't know. They're kind of relying again on, on Bobby Lynn providing goals from out wide. I, I see I see Aloha winning this game at the weekend and unless something changes between now and, and the end of the transfer window, I, I see Abro finishing ball. And what do you think, Fraser? Uh, well, I was I, I was just going to kind of disagree. Um, good. I, 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 totally, I totally agree that Abro's squad, I don't think... I don't want to say it's not good enough for the championship, but there's something just that's eaten away in the back of my mind. About saying, Peter Grant? Well, there's something about Peter Grant and there's something about Arbroath. There's something about Arbroath that I just can't quite put my finger on that I think, see if they can they can, they can can eke their way to a few results. It's like what you were saying earlier, yeah. You look at them and you think, they don't look like a fantastic team, especially going forward. They've got huge problems going forward, I think, Bobby Lynn aside. But there's just something that's saying to me, don't, don't write off this Arbroath. They've got something about them. The Peter Grant one... It's almost akin to the Paul Hartley thing where it could be a huge success and this is it just proves to be a masterstroke, but something about it just isn't quite sitting right with me. The fact this guy was Scotland assistant manager, you know, a year ago or whatever it was, and now he's dropping down to part time. Does he understand the difference? You know, and you can imagine these managers getting really frustrated really, really fast. Yeah. Because they've obviously got ideas uh I mean, Peter Grant's career in general has always been at the, at the top level in Scotland. And yeah, sometimes you wonder, do they understand what they're going into? These guys are, well, they're nowhere near as good as what you're used to. They're not, you're nowhere near as good as the guys that you've coached. This is, it's, it's new ground for Peter Grant as well as anyone else. Andy Wynn the, so, so was saying the other day that um, John Robertson, I think it was, is in the police and he wasn't able to make a training session and Peter Grant couldn't get his head around it. He was like, but you're a, you know, you're a footballer. He's like, no, no, 
Being a police officer. I need to keep the bloody streets safe. This is the day job. This is what pays the bills. He basically does this for fun. You know, this is a wee bit on the side, a wee bit extra money. I can't understand. I cannot fathom. Who's on the beat tonight? Oh, no, he's got a game. He's got a game at the wreck. So, that, that kind Clank of... Clank Marinshire in flames. <laughs> that kind of... Not set alarm bells ringing, because I'm sure that he understood the situation, but it's that... Wait a minute, these guys are not full-time footballers. They're not going to go home and sit and analyse their performance. They're not going to sit down and, you know, for three hours and watch it and get coached on every single thing that they've gone wrong. And the Alwa job and the Arbroath job as well, and being a part-time club in the lower end of the championship is unique, I think, in Scottish football. There's nothing else like it where if you win eight games a season, chances are you'll be safe and you'll be a huge success. Peter Grant's coming from an environment probably where if you won eight games a season, you'd be sacked quite quickly. Right, yeah. So, so you're thinking that maybe the experience of Dick Campbell in this environment will help and our that growth sort of more. Team and some, I mean, I could be totally wrong because no. I don't actually think this our growth squad in paper is a whole lot better than the breaking squad that came up. It's better, but I don't think it's purely defensively and maybe Bobby Lynn. But I don't think it's streets and streets ahead of that breaking squad. But there's something about this our growth team. From a, something from an hour point of view, I think that first game of the season. Uh, kind of spoke volumes so certainly the first half against Partick Thistle well, 1-0 up it could have been 2 it could have been 3 even in the second half Partick Thistle uh, equalised but they were lucky to get anything for the game and, and Alawa on the day were, were very good fans were uh, suggesting it was as, as good as they've played in, in some time and they were putting that down partly at least to, uh, to, to the fact that they've, they've, they've changed the, the, the pitch dimensions Okay, they're poor the next week against Morton, albeit Andy Graham was, was sent off and, and they lost 4-1. Our growth, on the other hand, drew now now with Queen of South, which is, you know, if you want to drag one of the full-time teams back, that was a, a decent opportunity to, to kind of make a mark. It was kind of a nothing game. Inverness played okay, but, but still lost the game. Of the two so far, and, and albeit a, a tiny, tiny sample size, Alawa's performance against Patrick Thistle was, was really, really good. And I, I would still expect uh, Alawa to, to, to be finishing above them. Well, there we go. Thanks very much, guys. I've enjoyed learning about <laughs> the wonderful world of the Scottish Lower Leagues. Uh, Fraser, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And Sean, I'm sure I'll be doing this again when I stare at you blankly for... Just nod. Nod away. I nailed it. There we go. Thank God. Right, um, you know all the things to do. We've got Twitter, Facebook, a TV show, a podcast... You know all about them. If you're listening to this, you know exactly what we're doing. We're going to nip over to Patreon just now, where we're just going to grill Fraser about what it's like to be a Dumbarton fan, and maybe even get a sort of embarrassing story from there. So join us over there. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. Say good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Hello, Mister. Stop. Just press stop. Oh, I don't know. Is it just stop? Yeah. Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.